You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Family's the most important thing, but then you'll see something like, I don't know, the white court and how they treat their family members because some of them suck too. Yes. Literally because they're vampires. Right. <laughs> why, Ken? Why? Well, there's not just a little. <laughs> but never mind. Never mind. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> I quit the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the Blue Team. We are back in the studio again, and we are still talking about Dresden. And we're kind of still reeling from the end of changes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Have you started Ghost Story at this point, Todd? You started I'm Megan, it. by the way. That's Todd. I'm Megan. Ken's over there. Hi, I'm, I'm Ken. <laughs> Thank you for making sure that we introduced ourselves this time through, Megan. I'm a recovering Dresden Sometimes we do. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I started, I read the first page. I read See, the first page of Ghost Story, and then I said to myself, I feel like that's cheating. there is no way that I can do anything more than I, I will <laughs> I will dive into this. I will get lost. Yeah. And so I forced myself to stop. Um, and okay. for those of you who follow, who are following us on a regular basis, you'll know that we're reading some other things, too. And so I dove into Nemesis Games, and that was enough, uh, which is part of the Expanse series. Oh, and okay. that was enough to distract yeah. me from thinking about the fact that Harry... Okay, so now I have... I can I've been thinking about what you were saying last time when we were ending the 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 continual refrain that you were pounding on Uh-oh. if there is no body there is no death wait so we're we're what what are we discussing today oh I'm sorry I was oh, just yeah, yeah. I'm this, still stuck on I know Harry's we're all death. very this is a lot the, so <laughs> there's a lot happening what are we discussing so people know there are going to be all kinds of spoilers so what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> <laughs> what we're supposed to be doing, because what we're, we're going to do, and what we're stuck all the time. on. Yeah. What we're supposed to be doing is going through what I have termed to be the heart of the order of the Dresden Files, small favor, turncoat, and changes, books 10, 11, and 12, and just talking about where we're at because that was a lot to unpack in those three books. Right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So much material, so much information, and so much of it leaving huge, gaping holes. Uh-huh. In assumptions and priorities and expectations. Well, Which is where you want to be because we are, what, in the middle of this series? There's supposed to be, what, 25 books? Yeah. Total, like 22, and then he'll have his final trilogy. So far as of this recording, there are 15 out with two due out by the end of this year. So so say we're at 17 of 25. Okay. I guess. So we are we are well along. I mean, Jim Butcher has obviously crafted this. Do you remember do you remember the very first couple of episodes that we were doing around Dresden? We were talking about, oh, this feels very this feels very noir, this feels very yeah. gumshoe detective. Mm-hmm. And very episodic. Very rapidly it it morphed into something a little bit wider, but we were saying in the very beginning, it feels like these are hints at something much, much bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have gotten to the place where we are aware that it is something much, much bigger. Yep. So spoilers for the first 12 books. But yeah, we have we've been told now that everything that we read in book one, a lot of well, a lot of the things we've read in book one are, in fact, things that were leading up to that are absolutely a dozen books Yeah. Yeah, that are absolutely in play. The so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we remember from small favor. Okay. We have we have Harry 
making deals again. How many times is Harry going to have to make deals and pay on these deals that he keeps making so that he has enough information, enough um, insight? As many times as he needs to to save any little girl. <laughs> right. Or somebody else's little girl. Or somebody else's. But mostly you know, his own. And that was one of the things that was really interesting is that until changes, mm-hmm. he was perfectly willing to do just about all of these things that he did in changes. Oh, yeah. For anyone that was in trouble, if mm-hmm. they were female or juvenile. Right. Yeah. And I, or I mean, innocent and not Marcone. Yeah. Small favor was all about trying to, well, for a while there, it was all about trying to save Ivy and taking care of Ivy. And we find out in small favor just how powerful she is. Um, and which was clever. So awesome. Oh, my God. Incredible, right? right? That whole battle scene was amazing. Wow. Um, but also, she is very attached to Harry. But then you have the White Council talking about how dangerous she is, where she is, like, if yes. she doesn't know the difference between right and wrong, she could do some really sketchy things. And yet, at the same time, they say, and we don't want her to have any human connection, yeah. because human connection opens up. It sounded very Jedi to me at that moment. Oh, connection leads to the dark side. <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of... Maybe and maybe Jim was trying to lay that kind of framework in place too because of all of his. He uh, does love Star Wars. He all does. of his all of his Star Wars references. Yeah, but but it felt very much like the White Council is saying, yeah, humanity is what gets human beings in trouble. It's not about value systems. It's not about morality. It's about humanity, and humanity leads people to make bad choices. Which is interesting because you get the flip side in that book with Murphy talking about what humans can do and how good they can be yeah well, it's nice to have a, a different opinion there does that mean that so so here's a quite well maybe this isn't the right time to ask this question but I'll, I'll throw it out there and maybe our maybe our listeners on reddit may comment later maybe you guys have opinions too does it feel like butcher picks up a theme and uses that book to explore that thematic material yeah uh, i don't know if he does that on purpose necessarily i think he just likes to have a lot of balance in things so if one person is going to say humans suck, another person has to say, no, humans are the best. And this is why. <laughs> and he does it appropriately through the characters. Yeah. Or you have, you know, family's the most important thing, but then you'll see something like, I don't know, the white court and how they treat their family members because some of them suck too. Yes. Literally because they're vampires. Right. Why, Ken? Why? Well, there's not just a little. <laughs> well, never mind. Never mind. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. I quit the podcast. <laughs> Gee, it only took how long? Let's see if we're we can, four minutes in. Let's see. Oh, I was thinking years. I was uh, yeah. thinking it took us a few <laughs> years to have you say that. No. I was saying we were already on house money by by my uh, bet. But let yeah. but let's be clear. Uh, the three of us have a friend who says on a regular basis, "I quit the play." Yeah. yeah. And when he does, we know that that only means that he is more solid, solidified in yeah. everything that he's doing. So. Thanks, Loves Megan. You you're can't, welcome. I'm glad. You can't get I'm glad. rid of us, That Megan. means you're with us I forever. I guess I'll stick around. <laughs> Want to see how this whole thing ends. So what what else from Changes do you feel was worthy of mention or worthy of remembering? I think we there were two things that I wrote down that uh, that we didn't, I feel like, give enough shrift to in our Changes discussions. And one is just how awesome Murphy is. Thank you. Yes. Because after we recorded, I went back and I listened to the final epic battle again. And oh my gosh, she's guys, amazing. We did not, we did not do justice to that epic battle. It was so amazing. But uh, the, the ones that she, that, uh, that I noticed listening to that was when they're talking about who's who in the Lord of the Rings. 
<laughs> and Thomas starts saying something and she says, finish that sentence, Wraith, and we throw down. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she's like, yes, she's so awesome. And then, <laughs> and then when she was the, the, the meat puppet, you know, for the archangel. That was an interesting moment. Throwing, throwing holy power and saying words. And she's like, I'm not saying these words, but I'm saying these words. And, and yet Sonia never does that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, um, uh, I can't remember her name. Why can't I remember? Susan. Susan. Susan doesn't have any of those kinds of moments either. Murphy does. And I yeah. think the whole reason that Murphy does is the same reason that Michael used to have those moments. Michael was very willing but both of those characters are solidified in a very real, very living faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why they can then become the conduit for that kind of power. Sonya's amazing. So, in fact, one of the things that I think we're going to discover about Sonya, Sonya's got a, that, that agnostic skepticism where they could be aliens. And as we listen to Sonya talk about all of the different things that he throws out and his justifications for saying, yeah, I'm going to pick up the sword. I'm going to do good because you do good for those who cannot do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. he needs to really read Oathbringer. Um <laughs> But for we all need to reread that. Oh, let's be honest. <laughs> what, no, we're going to. If you haven't read it, read it the, and listen to our podcast about it. Absolutely. Sonia Sonia takes the attitude that he is going to that he is going to do this because it seems a good thing to do, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. because it is connected to a global or universal right or correct thing to do. Right. And yet Murphy very much feels that way she is very much connected to a living faith of that nature and i think that makes her a fascinate i think that makes this struggle for her about picking up the sword a fascinating piece let we will come back to changes again is there anything in small favor that we really needed to talk about more i still miss michael i do miss michael I'm still I'm I'm still firmly on board with Daniel takes up his sword takes up Amarakis. You you know you've been right at least once. Only once. I mean. <laughs> so But it was a really important thing you were I, right about. To, and Ken, I think you should go through your entire life and saying, I've been right at least at once. At least once. And it was a good one. <laughs> and so that's a very strong possibility. I by the way, I made another prediction in the middle of changes and I texted it to Megan. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I want to say it uh, later. Later, we'll I'm just. It. I'm oh yeah, no, we, is, we definitely need to talk about. This that. is what we call a tease. Yes, I, for later. I had more I wanted to say about it, but I was like, no, I will hold it for the podcast. You okay. mean that's keeping people listening to us? I'm not sure anybody listens to us except those prisoners in Sweden that have to as part of their rehabilitation They're efforts. Nice, though. Hopefully through the rest of the episode, but honestly, we got your download already. So we should visit them. So the the other thing that the other th- I'm trying to remember because all of these books start have started to filter in on my brain right i struggle with that but one of the things in small favor that i that i really we we talked about it a little bit and in changes we come back to mab yeah and in small favor mab cannot speak mab must speak through her own meat puppet well she doesn't speak in changes either she she, she does very briefly during the ceremony. During the ceremony, but the ceremony. Not, yeah, but not during the wooing. But I'm I'm wondering and and in both of those occasions, if I'm well, in one time she does she speaks through Gay Malkin, and the other she's speaking through Leah. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Why is it that she cannot speak to Harry? 
because she's so freaking powerful, it would explode his brain. Okay, that's the excuse. He's not that, ready that's for the, that. That's, that's the, the excuse, excuse that Harry gives. That's the excuse that Jim Butcher gives. I'm not buying it. I'm thinking that there mm. is something, something tying her up. You think that Mab is like the reincarnation of Margaret Le Fay? No, I don't I'm, think that. Only because I, I'm not. I, I think I, she's been long before and and will be long after. I don't the, think. I, I don't. I'm not sure that that's as that far Margaret, as I would go. Margaret Le Fay was an incarnation of Mab. I'm. I, I, I think I said her name twice. I'm scared to say it again. Don't yeah, you better not. You better not. That one name that we I must shan't. never repeat. Okay. Um, what What if it has something to do with Margaret Le Fay's death curse? I think it has something to do with Margaret Le Fay's death. Uh, oh, and that there is something about magic protecting Harry from direct intervention from Mab. Huh. Interesting. And that now that he has been made hers as we get to that in changes now that he is the winter night that magical protection is gone because he willingly oh. gave himself to mab which is why i'm going to throw out since we already know that my first thought of murphy killing harry to prevent him from having to take up the mantle of the winter night i think his mother comes back in time picks up a rifle and kills him to <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding on that one. But I am. I'm not I, even going to dignify that with a response. Yes, you should have seen. You should have seen the glare she gave me. It was like, are you kidding? Yes, I am kidding. <laughs> but I. But I think that there is. Thank goodness. I think there is something that is binding her from speaking. I don't know if it's that it's binding her from speaking to Harry or binding her from speaking at all. And I wonder if it has something to do with the visit that Harry paid to the old queens of fairy. Mm. Summer and winter old. Do you remember the summer and winter no. old queens? Yeah. In the swamp when he was buried up to his neck and then he got out and he found the old cabin in the middle of nowhere. And one of them, winter was. Him, okay, winter yes. was gives him the, uh, the, the cloth. Yes. Yeah. I right. wonder if it has something to do with the fact that Harry has spoken to the old queens of summer and winter and that mm. somehow that interaction and their willingness to both help him has put him in a position where the current queens cannot necessarily intervene. I wonder. Hmm. I wonder. Could be. My, I probably should have mentioned this before you went into that really intelligent explanation. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is kind of plebeian. But I've, I've just been thinking about how in this, in Changes... Harry finally gets his mother's legacy, which is the ruby right. that contains the map of the map of the fairy, ways. The fairy land. Yeah. The map of the never, never. Yeah. Where all of it's like that gives them a huge advantage over pretty much all of the other things on the earth that are not fae. Yeah. Um, nice to be able to travel in style wherever you yeah. want. As long as you recognize that you could come out in the middle of some place that you have to take a deep breath because you're going to swim through really, really cold water. Yeah. Wherever yeah. the map is recorded, we should say. There, I'm sure. I'm are sure there are. I'm few, sure there are other places. Yeah. A few dark places that, that she didn't find that Harry inevitably will. Oh, yeah. Or maybe Ooh. that she found, but even she wouldn't record them. Maybe. And I wonder if this is something that's only connected to Harry or if he could give that to someone else. I guess he probably had it on when he died. So maybe it's lost forever. Yeah, maybe. I'm very curious to find out what happens there. So we go from we go from small favor into turncoat, turncoat, and you know I gotta I gotta admit I kind of have blocked everything that happened in turncoat out because 
by the time we got to changes, all of that seemed kind of useless. Well, turn the the main thing that happened in turncoat. Well, at the end of turncoat, the change there was that the gray court gray court was formed. Great yeah. council. And the, thank you. Great council, yeah. council was formed, and the white council was infiltrated by this crappy guy who didn't get in based on the gerontocracy. Yeah, Peabody. his name I can't think of. Christos. Christos. Yeah, Christos got put in. Yeah, right. Like Christos was. Who's a complete tool, and he shows it immediately in the next book. Right. So, so the White Council is just going to further deteriorate, but that all happens when they. I wonder if is okay. So let's let's think for just a moment. We've been exposed now to the Merlin as a, and remember, you don't become the Merlin by collecting bottle caps, right? So I've heard. we understand that the Merlin is an extremely powerful wizard. That he is an extremely insightful wizard. Mm-hmm. But here's something that I've that's been niggling at the back of my head. The Merlin doesn't have Merlin's journals. Interesting. Ebenezer does. I thought, does does he have them or were they just in like the archive and Ebenezer has access to them? So it's from the it's from the end of um, Turncoat. Okay. Where Harry is reading the journals and he said, these journals are passed down from from master to apprentice. Mm-hmm. And he said, in fact, the oldest ones go all the way back to the Merlin himself. Right. Yeah. And that he's got them there in his quarters. Hmm. That at least that was the that was the feeling that I got. And maybe there is an indication in the book that okay. I missed. Maybe I should have studied a little bit harder on that one. Uh, I got a lot of things I'm studying lately, so I sometimes <laughs> miss a couple of little details here and there. But as as we're looking at that, as I recall, he was making an indication that he has the Merlin's journals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So master to apprentice, he has Merlin's records, huh. and the current Merlin does not. But maybe the current Merlin doesn't need them, because basically to be the Merlin, don't you just have to be the oldest wizard living? Well, <laughs> I think they said that they were, the oldest, I, I think they the also, powerful. they also made an indication that you don't, that sometimes, it, that generally it's to the oldest, but not always. Okay. That there are times that the council chooses to go slightly differently. So the council can decide who the Merlin's going to be? I thought that was the way it works, is that the, there was a vote. I there's a vote. All right. There's, Honestly, an, obvious, there's an obvious choice. But the council votes. I don't recall that we've actually seen the the line of succession or how succession is is done. But I always just kind of understood that the senior council picks the picks the next Merlin, the next Merlin, or okay. they maybe pick the, the next Rankin, members of the of the senior council. And maybe there's a rank and file vote after that. I don't know. You know. But but whatever it is, whether whether or not whether or not that is the case, the Merlin himself right now is. An extremely powerful wizard. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's a pretty insightful wizard. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and he's very politically astute. So he understands not just the magical applications of things, but the politic, political ramifications of things. And as a result, it made me wonder, is the council, is the white council leadership playing a much longer game with Christos than Christos even sees himself playing. Is this oh, a plan within a plan? That would be nice. Very to well, allow Christos to be part of the White Council so that they can see, keep the old the old phrase, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Is that part of what's going on by the Merlin? I now hope that is tr- true. I hope that's the case because Christos is a 
it, really not intelligent. This inspires a question that I didn't have written down initially in my very long list of questions and predictions for what's coming up. But if Christos was basically there to be a pawn for the red court and now the red court is gone, what leg does he have to stand on? Maybe he's just this impotent piece of the white council's senior council. And again, if we go back to the idea that the, that the white council knows that the black council exists. Remember, this is one of those things that publicly they said, we're not going to acknowledge a black council. Right. Right. Ebenezer and Harry form a gray council that will openly take action. Well, not openly, covertly take action on behalf of the, of the white council, but allow the white council to be fully removed. Right. But does that mean that the Black Council is gone? I don't think it does. No, no I don't no. think so at all. I think Absolutely that the, I not. think that Christos, as a pawn of the Red Court, was placed there by the Black Council to do exactly that, to dissolve the White Council so that the Black Council could step in, take over the magic thing, and they were planning on getting rid of the Red Court anyway. Maybe. That's one of my questions for, for coming up in the future, is what does Sith Lord Cowl have in store now? Yeah. See, I keep thinking that there, this is one of those places where I wish if this were a, if this were a television series built in the Roddenberry universe, I would say, can we get a mirror mirror episode of what would have happened otherwise? Because I want to see the dark mirror version of how oh, all yeah. of these things worked out if Harry hadn't been there to screw them all up or maybe if Harry had been there to just be part of the Black Council. I, I think that that per, that gives tremendous interesting fodder for the questions of okay who's really pulling the strings on this if it's cowl then obviously this moving the red court aside and ken you've mentioned a couple of times creating a power vacuum i think it creates a power vacuum for cowl's necromancers or for some other group that cowl has been putting together perhaps the black court to be able to start moving out in the open do you guys want my questions from the last three books that we haven't really addressed or that haven't been answered yet sure I guess, I, Megan, do you, well, do you have yes. some things you want to talk about? I, I have a couple of things I want to talk about. One of them, Let's do that and first it, and then it keeps, we'll... thank you. Cause yeah, we definitely need to talk about your power well, vacuum. I, just, I know that's a thing you need to talk about. I know. And I know. And I do as well. You and I have issues with Marcone. So. Yeah, well, I have issues. It. You are a fan, apparently. Well, I, you and I have issues. <laughs> Chicago. Oh, yeah, this, is, a fan. this is something we're, we're, yeah. we're buttoned. All right. But anyway, let's talk about yours um, and then we'll. Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I did no, that. I want to talk about the idea of Harry as an unreliable narrator okay. and him possibly being a villain. He, well, not necessarily. Obviously not in his own eyes. He's really trying so hard to be as moral as no possible. No villain ever is a villain in their as own possible. eyes, right? It's true. Um, but there is a brief moment in Turncoat where Harry sees himself and his actions through the eyes of the other wizards who are there. And I wish that I right. could find it, but I can't. Um, <laughs> where he talks about like, oh yeah, I came out of this unscathed and I came out of this unscathed. And they're like seeing me as this super powerful wizard who doesn't necessarily play by the rules of the White Council. Um, and gets away with it. Who all of these bad things happens around and all of these bad things have negative consequences for everybody else. And, and somehow yet, he's somehow, like got a good alliance going on with the white court and somehow, all of these other sketchy yeah. deals. Harry always comes out smelling like at least not a rose. If not a rose, then at least not like the dung on a rose. He comes, he comes out okay from all of these things. Yeah, like he does. You said, but I, I think we need to acknowledge that he, Harry could hey. be a little bit unreliable where he even himself... 
every once in a while will say, well, you know, I've been to really dark places. And they say people who go to dark places end up becoming dark eventually. And I feel like I'm just waiting for Harry's downfall. I'm waiting for Harry to like cross the line into not a good person anymore. Did he already do it? I don't know. I think we're seeing the first glimpses of that. I think he's getting really close. I mean, he was willing to do absolutely anything to save Maggie. Well, absolutely. And, and anything. he did. I mean, he did. The, he picked what he did the, was the, pretty. You know, least sketchy choice of all of the choices. But the fact that oh. he even considered like, oh, I could totally go to the Denarians and become a demon. I was going to say, and he was he was not just looking at these as his options. He was giving these serious considerations. Yeah. He would have gone to the Denarians if it meant saving his daughter. Yeah. If it was the best of the options. Yeah. And these are things he was seriously considering. So, I mean, when, uh, does a good person do that? When we, when we start looking at things through a, a, a Machiavellian lens and start asking if the ends truly justifies any means. If you've read Machiavelli's The Prince, that's not actually the message in that. I just want to say that. Continue with your thought. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it is a message in the, throughout the book. Okay. It is a it is a statement that says if you are truly worried about the good of the people who follow you, you will be committed to whatever path does them the best good. Okay. Even if it ruins yourself. Yeah. That's- and so from that standpoint, if we're looking at it from that lens, and if Harry is saying to himself, I will do whatever it takes to protect my family. The city of Chicago, the world from all of these evils, then that question is, then what is the line that says until you become part of those evils yourself? Right. He is very much not concerned with his own welfare. Correct. In all of the ways. It hurt him deeply to lose his car and his home and his cat and so many other things that he lost and to know that he caused but really it hurts him more to know that other people are hurting yes yeah and so he and and he sees himself as a martyr yeah he will gladly be the martyr if it means saving somebody else that in and of itself is a huge huge red flag for me from a psychological standpoint people who are willing to do that oftentimes are we're dealing we're talking about individuals who may have significant uh unresolved psychological issues that need to be dealt with yeah that was part of the reason I brought up the question during our changes discussions was, are we sure that all, going through all of this, the things that you would do to save one person, even if it's your own child, are you sure that that makes you a good person? Are you sure that's the right thing to do? Meaning, for example, I will see the world burn if it means saving this one girl who, yeah, is related to me, but I have never actually met. Uh, well, and let's... I get your passion for wanting to save your family. However, there comes a point where you're crossing lines that probably ought not be crossed for the greater good. And Harry's a little bit, he has a little bit of a blind spot. A for girls, B for young girls and C for for orphans, orphans Uh who are in a terrible, terrible situation. Just Just like Marcone. And we acknowledge that Marcone is a bad guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is the difference between Marcone being a bad guy and Harry being a bad guy, less about their willingness to protect the innocent and more about the steps that they take to aggrandize themselves. I don't know. I don't even know if it's to aggrandize themselves. I wonder if it's just the steps that they take to achieve their ends. Well, uh, or, but, or their, I, I should say their point of view, for lack of a better term, on how 
how their steps affect others. Marcom, for example, he'll say, I need to take these steps to achieve this end. Fine, done. Harry will say, I need these steps to happen in order to achieve this end, but it will hurt so-and-so and so-and-so, and I want to try to mitigate that. And yet we've seen a couple of times where Marcone and Dresden are on the same side, fighting the same battle, mm-hmm. utilizing the same tools, mm-hmm. but they do it for different reasons. Oh, yeah. And that... For me, that has always been as as part of my as part of my personal study in leadership, in politics, in uh, in in different kinds of of human interaction questions is is not so much the question of the actions you take, but the reasons you take them. And does that change the justifiability of the action? There are lots of places where in parenting, for example, we would say it is entirely inappropriate for you to put uh, put restrictions on children that prohibit them from being able to do certain things unless another certain set of criteria are in place. They're too young to be able to make decisions for themselves. Mm. The things that you would be allowing them to do could potentially cause them irreparable damage and possibly loss of life and limb. We, we, have, these, we have these exceptions that we place on things all the way along when we're talking about children under the age of 18. When we right. get to the age of 18, we say, you know what, we're not allowed to say that we're doing it on the benefit of protecting people from the bad things around them. But Harry sees the entire human race as children. Yeah. Unable yeah. to protect themselves from all of the nastiness around. And so he's very willing to engage in some activities that we would normally say, these are horrific. These yeah. are awful. Yeah. Hiring a bunch of mercenaries to go into a place and slaughter everyone around. Granted, that didn't take place in small favor or turncoat or in changes. It took a place earlier when they when they uh, when they attacked uh, the White Court's holding. Arctis tour. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did. They did that with Arctis tour too. He's done oh, this several about, times. Oh, I know what you're talking He's about. He's done yeah. this several times where he where he puts together. He did that in this one. He puts together a team of mercenaries yep. to go and fight his personal battle. And it just and, so happens yeah. that it's going to save a whole lot of other people. How is this terribly different from Marco? Yeah, and everybody questions him until they find out that it's his daughter, and then they're in. And that kind of, it's just like, okay, that's awesome that you have these people who love you and support you. But also, somebody should have just been like, well, I guess somebody did at one point say, but even then, is this the right thing to do? I don't know. Yeah. Well, in this case, it kind of was because if they had killed Maggie or sacrificed Maggie in this, then Harry and a whole bunch of other, maybe not a couple of other people. Would Harry have also and like and four other people. So they really yeah. are trying to and, save Harry in this instance. And of those four other people, they are four other people who are critical to the defense of humankind yeah. against the powers of of the netherworld and yeah, then wiping but, out the entire red court which again was not the plan going in but ended up as a like the cool thing that happened yeah they did save a whole lot of other people all right can we since we're right here can we talk about the power vacuum yes okay let's talk about it we'll <laughs> oh, come ben, you look we'll, so relieved we I, I, because i guarantee you <laughs> this conversation is not over nope oh no and i think that this i mean it, while it's cool it's like wow he just eradicated a major faction for evil in the world. However, yeah. he also just eradicated the major faction for evil that is in place, leaving a big gaping mm-hmm. bunch of power that is up for grabs. Was it in this book that he said power or nature abhors a vacuum, which I find interesting because most of the most of the universe is vacuum? Or was that in the expanse? I can't remember I which remember. one it that was. That must but. have been the expanse because that does not sound familiar. <laughs> but yeah, 
we we say nature abhors a vacuum, and yet most of space is a vacuum. Oh well, we'll we'll deal with it. Yeah, nature so. abhors a vacuum. So if nature abhors a vacuum, what vacuums have been opened and who do we think fills them? See, and it's not just supernatural either. I mean, because they were very well politically entrenched in all of these tyrannical, despotic dictatorship areas, particularly in in South America. South and Central America. So here are all power vacuums. Yeah. So here are all these political holes that can be filled. But I was I'm thinking even more than that. We'll have to talk about Marcone because I was like, no, we have to talk about Marcone. I know because I I keep asking, well, what's Marcone going to do with this power vacuum? Not just of the red court being gone, but of Harry being gone, who was the chief sticking point, who was the chief stumbling block. Sure. Why not? In Marcone's way to achieving power and such. See, and my dissenting view on that is that if it's if Mark like Marcone is not a magical person. Yes. Right. He is learning about the magical world. He has somehow gotten in on the Encelia Accords. He's got magical beings working for him. But in my mind, I'm just like, I feel like Marcone and Murphy are the two battling there where because Marcone is a regular human working mostly with his regular human stuff. Who like has you know aside, yeah. People he's got that a he works with. He's got a Valkyrie. Murphy's got you know a werewolf at this at the end of aftermath. Who's yes. working with her and yeah. a bunch of other people. Um, but I just I feel like if if it's just Marcone who's the bad guy, there isn't really a place for Harry to come in unless Marcone really starts leveraging all of what he is. Learned. I'm just going to be really disappointed if Marcone becomes the big bad of the whole series. I don't think he's going to become the big bad. What, what did we say? Because again, I feel like he and Murphy are kind of the ones that should be battling out together as yeah. the regular people with supernatural extensions. Well, and I, and I think they will. I think they will. I, I we, so. we had talked in our blue team discussion about, I, I don't think that it's going to become... Marcone is the driving antagonist throughout the rest of the series, but I think I think he's going to still be the kind of shadowy figure that looms out there. But he's still going to have just as many pages as he's ever had, you know, in in the sense that this is what's going on in this book right now. And also, Marcone's over here. We'll mention him once a book, and he might have a chapter or two. He's not I, he's not going to be pervasive in the books, but I think he's still going to be his presence is still going to be felt. Accept that. Now, here's my dissenting vote okay. <laughs> on that one, because uh, what, I, what, I, what I see as a possibility is that is, is something that Johnny Marcone doesn't even see himself, and that is that he is being played, mm. and that someone else is pulling his strings delicately, adroitly, deftly, to put Could him be. into a position where he becomes... More powerful, more powerful, more powerful, exposed, dead. Okay. And sets the stage for another player, either, and I think it's going to be a supernatural player, to step in and take advantage of the chaos caused by that to unleash much more uh, hellish uh, activity upon the the poor city of Chicago. Yeah. I could see that because my other question was what, what thing that is worse is going to come in to fill the vacuum because we have, yeah. as as other book series have taught us and as TV series have taught us and everything and is life once, teaches us. And as life teaches us, once you eliminate the bad, something bigger and badder fills its place. You think we're going to hear more from the Black Council and they're going to like I think filter it's gonna, in? 
I think it's going to be some demon or, or well, demon or something in, from the fairy land is something celestial, you know, on the turn on the level of like, well, maybe it is demons or fairy type creatures, you know, or something in on the level of Uriel, you know, and, and those celestial, I don't know. Celestial is not the deific. We've, we've seen, of, we've seen some, we've seen some minor deities show up, uh, some historical deification personalities show up along the way. I wouldn't be surprised if there is an, several games being played yeah. by those individuals amidst all of these other games that are being played. Why would Odin throw his hat in to destroy the to participate with the Grey Council in the destruction unless yeah. it benefits him? Oh no. And I'm not <laughs> and I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting that he was trying to eliminate the Red Court to take over yeah. But I am no. suggesting that there is uh, the the Norse one one of the things about the Norse Thor was the was the god who was in charge of protecting humankind. Right. The rest were not. So in uh, this case, is Odin stepping in and helping the Grey Council because he really feels paternally toward all of us poor little humans? I've, or is it because somebody made a deal with somebody else? Is this one of those things where somebody trades favors with multiple people in or, and we don't, and the difference is right now we aren't seeing the trading of favors, but we're going to about three books from now. Mm-hmm. Sure. And we're finding out who's doing what. I also wonder, I, th- and again, I'm almost always wrong. I've, I think as we, as long as we've been doing no, you've this, seen, you've had plenty of right ones. I've had a couple of right ones along the way, but as long as we've been doing this, I've had mostly wrong ones. All and of us have. All of us have. And I, and but I remember really, if you bat 300, you're an <laughs> all-star. True. This so. is true. And I'm pretty close to 300. Yeah. On that has made me feel better in so many situations, weirdly. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if I, right. If I get three out of 10, I'm great. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's nice to hear. Yeah, you, you get three th- out of ten. You're playing. We at need an to cling level. to that, all of us, on a regular basis. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us again. So, uh, baseball, being baseball so much more about life all. all the time. So true. Yeah. Uh, I, anyway, the, keep going. Sorry. One of the things that I wonder about we we know that the black court, excuse me, the red court, the white court, and the black court of vampires have been at each other and have had a basic non-aggression pact with each other. Right. So now that the red court is gone, what does that mean for the black court? Will we see, Ken, you kept talking about a jade court. Well, I've, I've only mentioned the jade court because Shiro mentioned it a number of books back. And, and I wish it cool. was, and it sounds awesome. And I wish it was a thing, but apparently the readers have told us in the past that it never shows back up. So well, that's sad. you know, they've, yes. but yeah, there's, well, still, yeah, there's still, there's still eight books after, you know, the ones that come out at the end of this year. Yeah. But the other thing is, if there's a jade court, then maybe there's a blue court. Maybe there's a, you know, there are set, there's room for all courts. I want a purple court. That's all I'm saying. And I don't know what it is, but I want it. I want we it. also, okay. we also recognize that we have lycanthropes yeah. that we have been introduced to that kind of keep themselves out of everyone's way. But now that, I mean, we've, we've had vampires versus werewolves in so many different situations. And no, I'm not just talking about twilight um underworld i was thinking more about Wonderworld is one that we could talk about but that's that's existed throughout lots of lots of historical uh and and mythical kinds of creations so maybe that creation of the power vacuum in south and central america opens it up for the lycanthropes to take over and maybe this causes some controversy for billy and his band i wonder as they get pulled into a new set of battles that have to be fought and waged 
in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I wonder if there is some grand lycanthrope pack or if they just have their little roving bands of Don't know. infected people or whatever. Does this open? I mean, should we talk about what what this does for Team Harry in the absence of Harry? Uh, I and think, the absence of the Red Corps? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Chicago is going to become yeah. scary, a, a scary place without Harry, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Molly and Molly and Thomas, that that that's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting set of relationships to work on. I'm worried about Molly. I just I just am. I mean, she's got she's already self conscious about her powers. She's got the White Council champing at the bit to kill her, and now she's lost her protector. I think Ebenezer steps in. Ebenezer or so. Anastasia. I'm more worried because of something, just a little line that was thrown in there at the end of the book when they're throwing power around and all that. And the Lenanshi looks at her and says, and I wrote it down, the Lenanshi bared her canine teeth in fox-like in a fox-like spy, a smile. Bless you, child. You have such potential. We should talk when this is over. <laughs> it was just a throwaway line that was funny. It's like, whoa, we, got, we should talk about this. But all of a sudden, it, reading it second time through, I went, oh, crap. You're thinking Molly says, I'll do whatever it takes to get Harry back? I, either that, or I think that the Lananchi says, or or Mab or somebody says, let's work since, you know, you don't have Harry with you. Let's see what we can do, you know, to mold you into a tool of the Fae or something. I don't know. Well, let's be fair. Harry got, Harry got a kickstart to his magical journey by making a deal with the fairy to give him some power when he was in difficult straits because of a uh, of a relationship with a mentor gone wrong. Sure. True. It well, it's funny because this line didn't catch me the first time through, but reading it a second time, knowing that Harry dies, I air quotes dies at the end. I know, I know where you fall. I'm but, coming back to this. Okay, but knowing that Harry dies and seeing that line a second time made me go, "Oh, wait a second. Now there is an because it was just a throwaway line when at the end of this, everything goes back to normal and Harry and Molly go running off to do uh, apprentice and, and master stuff again and no big deal. But now that he's gone and she says that all of a sudden there's an opening for her to actually ex, uh, extend some control or some influence. Anybody you're worried about, Megan? just love all the people i worry about all of them um see and i see molly like she and tom i see like some weird situation where molly and thomas end up living together not as like a romantic relationship but because they both need someone because harry is gone and that was the person they both relied on the most sure um and that helping thomas in a lot of ways because he'd then he'd have a personal connection with somebody again but also that's dangerous because they seem to be attracted to each other a little that, too much. That's a little scary. I mean, it, it looks like it should Molly's be cute. I know Molly and Thomas look like it's like that should be a cool couple, but that looks like a really no. That's really a terrible, terrible idea. I don't idea. see her parents ever letting that happen. No, oh, but no. in my mind, I'm oh, like no. that could help them both because I mean, he Thomas has been taking a lot of care for Molly, and at the same time, Molly now has the dog. I was going to say, does mouse. does mouse stay with Molly? Mouse I would, stayed with Molly. I would think so. Oh yeah, yeah, she did. She run off. She he. They, that's right. Mouse runs off with Molly and Thomas. Yeah. So yeah, okay, that's good. Um, Mister, where do I? I expect that. I. You're still on the Mister is more than he appears. I I am wagon. Yeah, I, I really am. But I I think let's just call him a regular cat. I think that Murphy goes and finds Mister. I think Mister's oh, I hanging so. out over at Max. Oh, that would be cool. Oh, that could be. 
Uh, I would expect that Murphy has the swords. Yeah. Who has Bob? There's, uh, was so Bob, Bob on the, the boat? Bob and the swords and everything were, they yeah, were all on the, they okay, were on so, the boat. So she probably has Bob too. Um, I don't know. Maybe else? she would just leave the boat as it is for a while because Murphy doesn't believe that Harry is dead either. Right. Or at least she chooses but not to. But I would to. expect that she still takes control of at least his possessions and stuff. Because the water beetle That's true. She wouldn't just really safe. want to leave that all out. Yeah, you don't want to leave it sitting out there on the a boat. The water beetle yeah. is Thomas's property. Right. So although it is a, a crime scene, although it has been gone over by Chicago's finest. Mm-hmm. Now, here's something to ask yourselves, my my good friends and listeners. <laughs> so Stallings gets to the boat and he's they've set it up as a crime scene because somebody called it in. And, Murphy called it in. And um, we now have all of the police around there. Mm-hmm. Who got in to remove that stuff? Because remember, there's a there's a cabinet that was specially made for the swords. Mm-hmm. Was it magically enchanted? Didn't... I, I have, I'm trying to remember back to Aftermath. Didn't Murphy say that she called it in? Yeah, she called it because she went back for their date. Right. So did she grab all of that stuff ahead of time? I can't remember if it said so in Aftermath. I don't think it did, but I would have, I would expect that she'd just clear that before. Although she can't, well, she could because she she could say that, yeah, my fingerprints are there. there, But But Murphy's the kind of person that's a by the rules person. Yeah. Even though she's not a cop, she's still a cop. Which brings me back to somebody shot Harry. Now I'm moving away from uh, Murphy and I'm moving to Thomas. And he went in and cleared his own boat of those items to make sure that they were safely stored and away. Oh, and he did it so that she, so that he would not have to be the winter night. Oh, it, that makes sense too. It could be Thomas. <laughs> he's pretty I good. Know, he's pretty good at I a shot. I think it's somebody it? we don't suspect, and I don't think it was. I think so too. I mean, the obvious, the love of Harry. The the most obvious of suspects would be Kincaid, simply because he said that's how he would do it. Which, being that obvious, makes me go, it's not him. Yeah. Because that's the way we've been conditioned to read books these days. It might have been him, but maybe not for the reasons that we think. Or maybe he was being manipulated. If we're talking about players who are suddenly, we're talking about a spike in or maybe in it the was, worst of the bads. Or you know? maybe it was Kincaid at Ivy's insistence so that Harry wouldn't have to go to be this to be the winter night. That's maybe, the thing. When we were talking yeah. about the power vacuum, Ken... And I was just like, I don't want it to be Marcone. I don't want Marcone to be the big bad of the whole series. I didn't say that, but in my mind I was saying it. Right. And all of a sudden I'm just like, but what if Ivy, because I don't know how far in the future, like the 25th book will be. What if Ivy ends up being the big bad of the whole series? And that will just make me so sad. And that Harry needs to take action against her. Yes. I just refuse to believe it. I don't know. Because I don't I, want it to happen either. I know. Because at refuse. that point she'll be like 21 or something. But, you know, but he can't get rid of her because she has to have a daughter before she can. Yeah. Well, maybe Harry figure, and Ivy. That was not a real word, you guys. I mean, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that on a podcast. Figure if this is book 12 and book 25 is coming out and there's a year, about a year in between each book, then we're looking depending at- Depending on Jim know, Butcher's depending life, on, how that goes. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I mean, in terms of setting, if there's a yes. r- about a year between each book, roughly, then you're looking at 13 years in the future. Yeah. So Ivy could be 24, 25. I don't see Ivy putting out a hit, though, on- Harry at this point. I don't either. He's her only friend. Molly will like be I said, into her 30s. It's not that she put out, it's not that she's doing this viciously. She's doing this merciless for as a mercy. Again, I'm going back to the Machiavellian 
the the view of things if this is for the best benefit of the greatest number of people to eliminate the winter the winter night and his powers that are would be augmented far beyond anything that any other winter night had ever had why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you take that action if you were truly concerned about human about the humankind in chicago the humankind around the planet and harry's soul but it could just as easily be somebody from the summer court trying to take harry out yeah the although he's got buddies on that side yes he does He does, but they sure wouldn't want to see him as the winter night that's true in fact we've already seen that even his buddies are bound by certain kinds of stri- of, oh, yeah. of problems yes um, titania does not like him no and now she has even more reason to not like him <laughs> but lily and fix do like him so and now fix is his counterpart uh Oh, okay. Fix is his He's opposite, dead. So. Fix was his counterpart for like twelve minutes, and then killed him. See, and I think it's unfair that I you're insisting that Harry fixed. is dead because you have read the first page of Ghost Story. So you're kind of cheating. So you need to stop. I talking still about that. There's there's gonna be a there's gonna be a way. There's gonna be a way. His his. <laughs> his spirit is in suspended animation, but because his body was never found, he's not actually dead. Okay. So that his, so, his so body, Ken, his, his I'm going to say go I'm going to say body. I'm going to say three I'm going to say three names. Okay. Phil Coulson. Yeah. Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. Harry Dresden. Okay. In in Harry the, Potter four names in the there in the go. first I, I can't use Harry Snorkel I can play this game I, we could use Harry Potter <laughs> he would work in in both of those in 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 the situation with Phil Coulson and Wolverine both of them truly died they were dead 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 yes but and they then dead? they get brought back well you know the comic books operate under the principle of nerd no yeah one's and no one ever really, really dies. dead yeah. and i and i appreciate that and I, but i'm saying i think that there is death and there is death oh look and looks now so much about death i can guarantee he's you he's mostly dead here's i was gonna say here's here's a preview <laughs> i here's a, a guaranteed preview for my ghost story recap turns out he's only mostly dead yeah <laughs> i think we're he find will that. only be mostly dead because i think we're finding that and, and, and megan's already making notes i'm nervous about that no now. i needed to write down the nerd thing no one's ever really dead because yeah. never did, just made have me you never so heard happy. that before you've never heard that i'm not in comic books i don't know oh. a oh, lot wow. of things yeah yeah yep nerd Welcome no one to the ever world. really dies Thanks. or no one's ever really dead either way but I'll, I'll give you this point also three more books and then several after that that haven't been written yet yeah so i mean it's not like he's it's not like the dresden files without harry for half the series no and there's a part of me that's like i kind of like the idea of harry being like this nebulous ghost for part of it and then like trying to find a body and is he taking over somebody else's body or creating a new one i don't know but i like the idea i'm kind of excited (laughs) about the idea of him going in and being able to look in on all of his friends yeah and see it's kind of a like it's a, a wonderful life uh, I was actually going to go with more of a Tom Sawyer moment, but he gets oh, to yeah. see his own funeral and that kind of stuff. I love that book. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that we've got a we've we've got a, some really interesting possibilities for this for the upcoming book for Ghost Story. Uh, do we want to? Do what we want to talk about predictions for the rest of the series I, as I we move forward? To take a we've few taken moments. a few. Well, Megan has. I wanted to take a few moments to just appreciate how much Jim Butcher's writing has grown. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. In fact, I pulled a comment from Aerodandis, I think it was because I didn't write it down, but um, 
I'm hopeful Blue Team does a little analysis on Butcher's development <laughs> as an author. Stormfront was his first published book, so we can see Butcher's development as a writer from book to book. It, uh, that's really a rarity. Typically, authors who start popular series have worked with other authors, worked on other stories, and had other standalones or otherwise developed their skills, etc. How about how we've gotten a chance to see Butcher develop? It's yeah, it's it's been really it's interesting. It's been impressive. It's been really interesting. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take no, over it's your, fine. I need before a you started. I laughing. just wanted, I just wanted to read that from, <laughs> from again, I think it was Aerodendus. I didn't write it down. Who Thank the name you. Was. But yeah. whoever random discord listener was, thank you for that comment. Yeah. It's it. Cause as it was something where I read the first three books of this series. Way before Nine the rest of ago? us did, yeah. A long time ago. And I got to the end of the third book and I was like, no, that was pretty good. I could keep reading. And then for reasons I didn't. Um, and so I'm really glad that we've taken this second opportunity because he really does get a lot better in Harry's in Harry's personal development. We've seen a lot of growth there um, in the way all the characters have worked together. But I also really appreciate that even from the first book, there are things that are coming up you know, we already talked about this, but there are things that came up and changes that he's just, he's had a plan. He knows what he wants. Jim Butcher knows what he wants to do with the series as far as we know, but he's just, I, I just really appreciate how well he is tying everything together. I, and, and I kind of wonder if he had a, a true master plan or if he had the inklings of a plan when he started, because one of the things that we, one of the things that we mentioned when we were reading Stormfront, it seems like forever ago, but I guess it was what, two years? Is it two years? One year? I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a year and a half, I think. A year and a half, 18 months or so. When we started reading, one of the things that we said was, it feels like he's making some hints and we've paid those off pretty well right now. Yeah. So the question that I have is, how many more hints is he going to be able to pay off that were that early in the series? And did he really build this with all of those things? Or are we going to have to look further on in the series to see some of the other hints that he started throwing into place? It might be a little bit of both. I mean, there could be one or two things that we don't notice. Like we finally find out who the dark wizard was that taught the guy in the very first book how to do whatever oh, that yeah. thing that he was doing. Explody heart time. stuff. Explody heart things. Explody yeah. heart and making third eye the new yeah. oh, narcotic the that was yeah. floating around. I think we're gonna. I, I think we've got lots of. I think there's lots of opportunity for those kinds of things to be explored. Yep. I also think that that as we as we read Butcher's material, and as he's added new characters in and taken characters out, he's shown us that he's not afraid to take his pen and completely cross somebody off and let him go. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, we, we joke about no one's ever really dead, but there are some characters in this series that are really dead. Yeah. And because of that, I have to ask myself how many of these, how many of this team of this happy band of this fellowship that went to, to Chichen Itza at the end of the, at the end of this, they come back and Harry's the one that has paid the ultimate price yeah. Susan has paid the ultimate price by Harry's hand. Yeah. Which is not, he's not going to let that go easily. Are we going to see some more of that? Are we going to see some more of these people that went to Chichen Itza that foiled someone's big dastardly plan? We know it messed with the Red Court, but did it mess with someone else's big bad dastardly plan? 
are we going to find out that the rest of the members of the fellowship still have a mark on their heads, so to speak? Could be. You just made me think of something else because we, we've talked about no one's ever really dead and all these uh, people that, that have had their plans frustrated by Harry and who have died. And now Harry's going into the spirit world where he's not actually dead. I mean, he might be a spirit, but who in the last 12 books, who all, not I don't know specifically, but who all in the last 12 books have died and now are going, their ghost is going to find How Harry. How many? Oh, no. I just thought, I just thought of that from you talking. I'm like, holy many? crap. Die is this alone? I didn't even think about that. Is this right? a, is this a chance? Does everybody become a ghost, or is it? I don't think so. I I think Her, you know Harry's Harry's kind of stayed away from all of those kinds of things, right? Right. Most of the people remember uh, Agatha Hagglethorn. Do you yeah. remember that name? Yes. Yeah. From from Grave Peril, I think it was. Who uh, most of those who have stayed have had a reason to stay. There's been something traumatic that's tied them to uh, tied a, tied a, a ghost of them to stay on the mortal realm. So um, I have a feeling there are more than enough people who have got a gripe with Harry that have actually had a reason to stay. And that maybe the thing holding them to the earth is have Harry. been Harry. Ugh. And so now he's going to have, is, is the possibility that he has to deal with all of them again? Interesting. That just sounds like fun. I would like to read that story. Well, you know what? It's the next one. We may be completely wrong about what we think is going to be coming in that story. Oh, come that on. We are first. completely wrong. <laughs> Let's be honest here. But, but it certainly does make it. I, I think what it gives us is a, an awareness of how much material there really is still for Jim Butcher to be able to play mm -hmm. with. Should Should we talk about my other prediction? Really? Yes. yes. Who takes up Fetalachius? If, if I'm just going with the assumption, if Murphy's not willing to take it. I don't think she is because she's, she's turned not. it down twice, and I don't think she's going to be offered a third time. But I, if we go under the assumption that David takes Amarachius because it's his father's sword, who Daniel. takes Daniel? Thank you. I always do that. Who takes uh, Fidelachius? I think that there's going to be a new character that takes Fidelachius for a book and gets killed, and Murphy picks it up. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that is a really cool prediction. Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah, it's probably wrong. It's it's probably wrong. <laughs> well, but, I guarantee if we're predicting it, it's wrong. But but that's but that's I I it just feels very much like I I I I am a big proponent of of things come in threes, uh, opportunities come in threes. I, I've I've seen lots of things of that. And yeah, when you're looking backwards, you can always connect the dots and say, oh, see, there's the three. But Karen Murphy getting three opportunities to take the sword. First one didn't go, you know, turned, used it briefly, give it back. Yeah. Second one used it a little bit longer, kind of uncomfortable, really like some of the outcomes, mm -hmm. turn it back. Now she's getting used to it, huh? Third one, she's going to see somebody else use it and realize that it has to be somebody of faith. Okay. You remember a couple of books back, they were doing some, he had, uh, Harry had Molly do some genealogy. She came back and said, oh, yeah. Charlemagne. I yeah. think that's Murphy. Ooh. I think Murphy's, because remember, one of the things that he was saying was that he thought that the the swords had to be held by kings mm -hmm. that were in the past. Sasha talks about some of that, as and so did Shiro. Um, so I think what he did is he had Molly go through and do some genealogy, found out that Murphy was connected to Charlemagne, and that's why Murphy winds up with the sword. Maybe maybe the sword becomes like the new defense of the dark arts teacher. You know, we just get a new one, a new wielder every book. And that's going to be hard on Harry if he ever gets his body back. Trying to figure yeah. out multiple people to give the sword to. 
Because he is supposed to give the sword to someone. Yes, he is. He is. He is a steward of the sword. It can't just be somebody taking the sword. Right. He is a steward of the that sword. Will make it. I'll put yeah. this out there only because I wrote it to Megan. So, it, and it's, the, the more I think about it, the more I don't, I don't know well, how much, know. how much I, I put into it. But what if, what if Waldo Butters takes up the sword? Butters? After getting shot in the back a couple of times, it's a sword of faith. Thank Butters? you. That was my response. Butters, Butters is like the me of this universe. I know, There's but no I'm way somebody's saying, giving I mean, him a sword. Butters? You're seriously going he to Butters? Keeps, he keeps showing up. He keeps being reliable. He gets shot in the back and keeps on moving. Butters. You know? <laughs> How could he put, patch up Harry if he's running around with the sword undoing all of the undead demon stuff? All right. All right. I just, like I said, I just wrote it down <laughs> on a whim. So we just I, want Butters to be more relevant because I like having him around. I like. I got to admit, I think Butters, I like Butters is terribly relevant. He's so fun. I really like the you way know. that Jim Butcher has written Butters into this universe of being the person who says, well, you know, it doesn't have to work the way that you think it works. Yeah. I, know. Kind of I, like do, I do want to see him punch somebody at some point when they're like, well, we needed a real doctor, but we got Butters instead. And I, I just... I hey, want to be able to punch somebody. But he, he hey. used the defibrillator. That was great. I mean, come on. This is my diploma. I love, All right, fine. I love I, it. I love I, it. <laughs> you know what, Butters? Uh, you, as long as we're as long as I'm we're throwing it out there, it's out there now. As so, long yeah. as we're throwing out predictions, you can be wrong just as easily as I could. So <laughs> as, I guess as, we'll figure it as out. As the last twelve books have proven, I can be wrong with the best of them. So, guys, have we uh, have we done a decent job? I think bringing a bringing this last three books well, to kind oh, of a bow. If we haven't. Our re- our listeners will tell us. Well, I'm we've sure certainly we've will. certainly done a job anyway. Yeah, yeah. something like that. <laughs> well. I guess we've got more books to read. Uh, Ghost Story is locked and loaded. We'll see you next time. I know we can start reading it. 